Evil is said to take place in many forms in the Bible, and often these examples can be quite transparent. But there appear to be many facets of evil as a concept, and the Bible demonstrates these aspects throughout its many characters. But there are some entities within the Bible that don't really get to show off the magnitude of their wickedness, or perhaps even the virtuous traits that an evil character might come to exhibit. Therefore, various apocrypha are available to help us fill in the gaps and assist us in painting a more complete analysis of some of the big and small names that are mentioned in scripture. One such name that I hear thrown about from time to time is Nimrod, and he's a perfect example of a character who doesn't get much content in the Bible, but certainly earns a mention from his exploits in non-canonical stories. As we'll discuss in today's video, there can be two ways to identify Nimrod, either a man who was righteous, or an archetype of an idolater, a tyrant, and a truly wicked person. In many Hebraic writings, it is not uncommon after all to hear him referred to as Nimrod the Evil. As far as the Bible goes, his very first mention comes in the Table of Nations, back in Genesis 10 where we are told that he was born the son of Cush, the grandson of Ham, and the great-grandson of Noah, and that he would grow up to become a fierce warrior and a notable hunter. We also understand that Nimrod would be a king, a ruler of various great cities, of which some, if not all, he had built from the ground up. The Bible tells us, Cush was the father of Nimrod, who became a mighty warrior on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That is why it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The first centers of his kingdom were Babylon, Uruk, Akkad, and Kalner in Shinar. From that land, he went to Assyria, where he built Nineveh, Rehobothur, Kalar, and Resen which is between Nineveh and Kala, which is the great city. There exist two opposing interpretations of this passage, those that either promote Nimrod in a complementary way, or paint him as a more gruesome villain. The more flattering version settles on the statement that Nimrod was a mighty warrior and hunter before the Lord, suggesting that he was an exemplary figure in that he was strong, bold, mighty, and exhibited all the characteristics that a man could want. He is also painted in this viewpoint as a grand expansionist, one who some might say the Bible celebrates in the listing of the cities he either conquered or created. But the other, perhaps more generally accepted viewpoint, regards Nimrod as a most dastardly character, an opinion cemented by his affiliation with the kingdom of Babylon, where the first mortal rebellion against God was thought to have started in the creation of the Tower of Babel. This structure was also thought to have been commissioned by Nimrod in some beliefs, not as a testament to God, but as a way for man to reach the heavens and the Lord's level, demonstrating Nimrod's attitude in considering himself just as worthy as God himself. In this variation, the simile in the Bible that, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord, 
is not as complimentary as one might think, but instead is a sign that Nimrod killed before the Lord, and that he put his thirst for blood above the presence of God. Welcome to the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network. I'm your host, Anthony Wilson, and we are in the midst of a powerful series uh, for the month of June um, called Do Not Take Heed to Fables. And what we've been doing is we've been going into the Word of God and we have been uh, targeting, I've been targeting certain uh, fables that have grown out of the Word of God that when you read it in the Bible, there's nothing there, but then you find all of this information that says that there is so much more there than what you thought was there. And it comes from extra biblical, non-canonical sources. And these sources uh, so often are Apocrypha, Pseudepigrapha, um, non-biblical sources from the Dead Sea Scrolls because there were biblical sources from the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, you had stuff that was just uh, the Septuagint uh, that was saved in the Dead Sea Scrolls. But then you also have uh, non-biblical or non-canonical sources uh, or books that came out of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And so uh, what we're looking at over the last couple of weeks, we looked at Azazel and Azazel uh, came from the Pseudepigrapha, uh, Pseudepigraphal books, uh, apocryphal books, however you want to call them, um, Dead Sea Scroll material. Lilith comes out of even uh, more, uh, I would say, more modern time because it's kind of the Middle Ages, uh, the medieval time. So it's way after biblical times um, that Lilith um, and the alphabet of Sarek uh, becomes this 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 person that we know today. Uh, there's a little mention of her in the book of Adam and Eve and some other sources, um, but not much before the modern time. Uh, and so uh, these different individuals, we have all this information about them, but the Bible has so little information. As a matter of fact, the first two, um, Azazel, you don't even see that in the Bible. You actually have to look up the word scapegoat in the Hebrew to find the name Azazel. And then you get a little picture of the transformation from the scapegoat to this fallen angel, this demonic figure, this spirit that haunts the wilderness, that taught men how to uh, do forbidden things and taught them forbidden knowledge um, in the book of um, Enoch. Um, and, and so all of these mythologizing of uh, people and things from the Bible create these fables and what is a fable muthos we talked about it earlier 3454 it means it is a false statement or a false story that is replacing the truth or undermining the truth and so the goal of these is to undermine whatever the true story is the fable tries to replace that with another story and so there's a fable about um, Azazel there's a fable about Lilith and this week, we are going to tackle the mighty Nimrod. Now, Nimrod is a very ominous figure um, that is talked about uh, both positively and negatively. 
um, when we dive in here and really take a look at Nimrod, Nimrod is only mentioned four times in the Bible. Um, and in those four times that he's mentioned, um, Nimrod is basically being uh, shown as a part of the line uh, of Noah. He comes from uh, the son of Noah, which is Ham, um, which is the son of Cush. And so he's the son of Cush, the grandson of Ham and the great grandson of Noah. Um, and what we don't what we need to understand about this particular line is that these are the darker nations, the African nations, the nations of color, as a matter of fact. Would have been a darker skin or African uh, king, a great African king. And so Nimrod. Uh, maybe that's why people want to villainize him. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't want to get into any racial stuff. But um, according to Genesis chapter uh, 10 verses 8 through 12, as you heard in the video clip, um, Nimrod is a mighty was a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Um, he was a conquering king and his lands included Babel, which later on becomes Babylon. Eric, Akkad, Canal. Uh, um, he also built Nineveh, Rehoboth Ur, Kalal, and Rezin. Um, and he also went on to conquer the land of Assyria. And we find in Micah uh, chapter 5 and verse 6 uh, that the land of Assyria was, was called the land of Nimrod. <laughs> um, we find in First Chronicles chapter 1 and verse 10, the genealogy that uh, fits Nimrod in them and Nimrod in there, uh, that he is the son of Cush um, in Genesis chapter 10 verses 8 and 9. We see that Nimrod uh, was the son of Cush, but also that he became a mighty man or a mighty hunter before the Lord. Now, some of the things we want to deal with in um, the video so the video talks about the Apocrypha and that some of our sources for understanding who Nimrod is come from the Apocrypha. Well, that's not necessarily a good thing because the the book that has the most material about Nimrod is the book of Jasher. Now, the book of Jasher has some great history uh, and there's a couple of English versions uh, of the book of Jasher but the book of Jasher was an actual book but they never found this book um, King Solomon is said to have um, justified his proceedings by a scriptural quote from the book of Jasher in 1 Kings um, 8.13 from the Greek Septuagint sources other uh, citations of Jasher in the Hebrew Bible include Joshua chapter 10 and verse 13 where Joshua talks about the sun standing still and it says is this not quoted in the book of Jasher um, also in 2nd Samuel uh, chapter 1 and verse 18 David mourns Jonathan and Saul and he pulls a song that was written uh, in the book of Jasher 
Now, we can't help but wonder what could have happened to this book. The book of Jasher or the term Jasher in the Hebrew uh, 3477 means straight or right. And so uh, it means to be upright or straight. And so uh, this book uh, being cited for its authority is important. But the book of Jasher that we have today um, is an apocryphal book. Um, it is obviously a pseudepigraphic forgery of a much later date. Uh, the cultural roots of the text are eclectic, although li linguistically, um, an analysis suggests that it would probably the writer had no knowledge of Hebrew or little knowledge of Hebrew. Um, his work showed no understanding of the great traditions of the of, of the biblical commentary or midrash. Um, there's obviously an Islamic influence on the book of Jasher. He uses the term jinn or whoever the author is. I say he, but whoever the author is, they use the term jinn, which comes from Islam and Abraham, which is Abraham with an I, right? Um, even the sexual imagery of Adam and Eve echoes the battle cry of the English peasant rebellion of 1381. And here's the quote. It says, when Adam delved and Eve spanned, uh, where then was the gentleman? Right. <laughs> and you're like, what kind of language is that with this quotation? If this document can be attributed to a Jew of Spain, then it would have been written sometime around 31, 1381 to 1492. You see how late that is? Uh, the references to the book of Jasher in the Bible are way, way older. And they never found the book. And so uh, the passages cited by the Bible appear only muted and transformed in this text. Uh, only one might try to interpret Solomon's speech as a reference to Nimrod um, justifying the Tower of Babel. Um, other elements about the David's uh, lament appear in Nimrod's epitaph. Um, it's hard to fit Joshua's quote with this text um, excerpt. So when Joshua talks about stopping the sun in uh, Joshua chapter 10 and verse 12 through 14, and you can check that out. Um, the, the, the book of Jasher tries to fit all those things into references to Nimrod, which is kind of crazy in itself. And so that's where most of the material um, that is mythology or mythologizing or fictitious or fable. Now, remember what we said about the fable. A fable is a story that is replacing the truth, right? Mythos. Um, fable, fabrication, and it's either replacing or undermining the truth. And so this book of Jasher has created a whole nother narrative about Nimrod that we don't find in the Bible, and it affects our modern day understanding of who Nimrod is. And so Nimrod, we take a look at his name, because that's where a lot of struggle comes from, because the etymology of the word Nimrod is unknown. Um, some people think that it's probably Babylonian. Um, one interpretation of Nimrod's name is a god, Marduk. Now, Marduk is Sumerian or Sumerian or, or Semitic uh, in, in, its, in its origin. 
Um, Marduk was a star god, right? Star god. Um, the Bible uses Nimrod as a Babylonian king. That's what Nimrod is in the Bible. Um, literally, the king in, uh, in Babylon, the builder of Nineveh. And that's what scripture teaches us. Um, Nimrod, probably a foreign origin, a son of Cush. That's what we have for Nimrod. Now, what's interesting is that out of that comes all of these theories. Nimrod is thought to be a synonym for some other great kings in history um, that may predate, predate Genesis um, chapter 10. Um, some believe that he is Gilgamesh. Now, some of you don't know who Gilgamesh is, but there's a poem um, of Gilgamesh and Gilgamesh is a mythological character. Some say he possibly could have been real, but most say that he wasn't. Um, Hammurabi, the Hammurabi Code, which is on the time of Abraham. Sargon, uh, Origin, um, uh, Amraphel. Amraphel is uh, one of the nine kings uh, that fought in the battle um, against Abraham in Genesis chapter 14 I believe it's verse 5 talks about Aramphel um, some even believe that he's Osiris <laughs> isn't that crazy but whatever it is whoever they believe he is there is so much extra biblical information about Nimrod that it's kind of hard to even figure out who he is and, and, and what he is and what we're reading when we read uh, the biblical passages and so I'm gonna go back to our video clip actually I'm gonna introduce a new video clip to you and this is uh, Dr. Gene Kim now Dr. Gene Kim um, he's his website or his uh, YouTube page is the real Bible believers you talk about conspiracy theories sci-fi you know, I feel like I'm watching an episode of uh, Stargate or um, Supernatural or, uh, you, you know, some 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 movie. But he ties a lot of this stuff in together. And when you're listening to him, he's just making huge leaps to and fro. I mean, it's like he just skips over something and he'll bring something in as if there's facts to back it up. But there are no facts. He just jumps and makes conclusions. And so I'm going to share a quick clip that's going to help me to go into my next segment because one of the major points of reference for Nimrod is two things, that he was a mighty man or a mighty one and that he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. These two things are going to really help us to understand who Nimrod is. Is Nimrod the future Antichrist? Is Nimrod the first wicked king was Nimrod a Nephilim or some type of uh, giant uh, that was ruling over the earth uh, was he a mutant because there's so many crazy theories about Nimrod um, and some of them come from well-meaning people some of them come from people that just like um, going off into mythology and tying it with the Bible so I'm going to play this, this clip from Dr. Uh, Kim, Dr. Gene Kim of the Real Bible Believers 
uh, King James only. That's all he uses, King James only. Only That's a problem, and we'll talk about that later. But let's hear what Dr. Gene Kim has to say about Nimrod. Out of all of Ham's children, it is, meant, it is interesting the Lord made specific mention of Nimrod. Verse 8, and Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a hunter before the Lord. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. So notice that he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Now, some people might think that isn't that a positive thing? No, that's a negative thing. Notice this is mighty hunter before the Lord. That's basically when he was living his life as a hunter before God, that was abomination. Let's look at that kind of logic with the book of Genesis and look at Genesis chapter 13. That's a good number, ain't it? Genesis 13, a great number. And look at verse 13. That's another great number. Chapter 13, verse 13. All right, church, uh, you've learned this. Uh, the number 13 represents rebellion. Yeah, that's right. Look at verse 13. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners, what? Before the Lord exceedingly. Okay, and we're going to stop him there and we're going to deal with this idea of uh, Nimrod being a mighty hunter before the Lord. Now, this was interesting that he went to Genesis 13, 13, and he looked at the terminology of before the Lord. Now, if you look this up um, in your Strongs and you go to um, 6, 6440, you're going to see the word panem or pane, which means the face of or before the face of. Um, uh, the Browns driver in Briggs, if you look and scroll down through your Strongs, you scroll down to 4A and look for the number G, it tells us what is meant in Genesis 10:9 about Nimrod as a mighty hunter before the Lord. So here's what it means. It literally means that Nimrod in the sight of the Lord, based upon the Lord's estimation, was a mighty hunter. Now we use that same language for Genesis 13:13 13, 13, that in God's estimation, right? In God's estimation. And so he makes it seem like just saying before the Lord means it's evil or it's wicked. But what he what he's missing, and this guy's a doctor. He's I, I know he knows how to use a strong coordinates. I don't know why he's not using it. I don't know why he doesn't share that when he's making these comments. Um, because we need to know where you got your terminology from. And so here's what it says again in Genesis 13, 13. It says, but the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful. And in the New King James says against the Lord and the King James, it says before the Lord. Um, and so before the Lord would mean in the Lord's estimation or that the Lord is determined that these people are being wicked. Nimrod being a mighty hunter before the Lord in the Lord's estimation. Nimrod was a mighty hunter. This same terminology is used in Genesis, and it's interesting that he went to Genesis, but he used using the King James. He doesn't have the updated translation of that particular um, 
passage, it should say against the Lord, but his says before the Lord, but we're not going to worry about that. We're going to go to Genesis chapter uh, seven in verse one. And here's what it says about Noah. And the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me. Now, this is the exact same word, panem or panea, uh, 6440, and it is 4A, and then you look for the letter G in the sight of or the estimation of the Lord, Noah was righteous, and in the sight of or the estimation of the Lord, Nimrod was a hunter. Now, this is not good or bad. This is just God's estimation. Now, here's the thing. Most of the videos that I watched and most of the, 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 the stuff that I read, they want to make Nimrod either good or evil. But I don't believe that that's what the Bible is doing. The Bible is just stating who he was because, as Dr. Kim pointed out, out of all of Ham's children, God made a specific mention of Nimrod because of the vastness of Nimrod's kingdom. Now, remember, Nimrod's kingdom at that time was huge. It's the same thing when I looked up in First uh, Chronicles chapter 4, uh, verse 9 and 10, uh, Jabez. Uh, out of all of these people, Jabez gets this full little workup, you know, and you're wondering why is he talking about Jabez? It's because he's explaining how something got the way that it was not necessarily if it's evil or good but how it got the way it was and nimrod's kingdom really becomes uh huge later on throughout the bible not for the reasons that most people are saying but because his kingdoms as we saw in micah chapter 5 and verse 6 assyria being the land of nimrod his kingdoms were kingdoms that had a lot a lot of influence throughout the nations Nineveh we read about Nineveh in the minor prophets uh, Rehoboth Assyria um, even Babel and we'll talk about Babel in a minute uh, most people tie Nimrod to Babel but when we go to Genesis uh, chapter 11 Nimrod is not mentioned as a matter of fact, I don't even know if he was still the king at that particular time over that area because we're not looking at a chronological uh, order here. We're looking at information that is being stated for the knowledge of the reader. And so um, Genesis chapter 10, for some people, is called the table of nations. And so it explains who went where and what people uh, landed where they landed, right? And so it almost may be that it's flipped, that Genesis 11 could be something um, that happened before Genesis 10, possibly, because in Genesis 11, all the people were in one place, all the people were one language, and they were all together, and then God scattered the nations or separated or divided them up. And so uh, it, it, there's a little bit of a struggle trying to figure out if Genesis 10 is talking about a time before this, because it, 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 most people are saying, well, Nimrod brought a one world order, one one world religion, one world order. Everybody was under Nimrod in Babel. 
and Nimrod is never mentioned in uh, Genesis chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel, but everybody connects him there. Okay, we're going to head back to our other video. Actually, we're going to finish with Dr. Kim. Let's 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 see what else Dr. Kim has to say. Let's see if he has more to say. See, so that's something important to understand. So when we look back at Genesis 10, 9, before God, what? He was a mighty hunter. Hunter, if you look up that, another key phrase is look up the word hunt throughout your Bible. It's not positive. It's mostly negative. Okay, so here's another <laughs> another issue that I have with Dr. Kim. I, I, I don't know where he gets this information from, but he's actually not looking in the Bible. I think he's just making these conclusions because he's trying to get um, he's trying to get this to fit his narrative. And so I did. I went up and I looked up hunting. I looked at gain and I looked up the word um, from Genesis chapter 10 and verse nine um, that he was a mighty hunter. And it is 6718 in your strongs. And it means hunting or game. And so, you know, it means to hunt game. Um, it means hunting that's used twice. Genesis 27, 30, Genesis, uh, 10, nine, it's used twice in there. Genesis 25, 27. Um, now look, when you look at Genesis 25, it's used about four or five times, six times. Now, why is it used so many times? Cause it's talking about one person, Esau, that Esau was a hunter. He was a person that hunted game and game was animals not people <laughs> you know uh, one one video says that you know he was uh hunting people and killing people and he was bloodshed all over the place but when we look at the exhaustive concordance it means to catch food hunter that which is took in hunting uh vicin or victuals right and that looks exactly like what is talked about in Genesis uh, chapter 25 and verse 28 where uh, Esau hunted and brought back food and uh, they ate the food that he hunted right um, it means the same as to chase also game thus taken generally lunch especially from a journey <laughs> that which he took hunting right I'm looking, Dr. Kim, and I cannot find hunting as this negative thing that you say it is. This is a problem. This is a problem. And anybody can go on the Internet and just start saying stuff and people will start believing it and start following it. And that's a problem that it doesn't say that hunting is negative. And I'm not saying that Nimrod is a good person. I'm just saying that he is not this monster that people are making him out to be and so number one he is a hunter before the lord and remember go to 64 40 in your strongs penim scroll all the way down to 4a and then look for the letter g in parentheses it's going to say in the sight or in the estimation of the lord right genesis 7 1 noah's righteousness Genesis 10, 9 of Nimrod as a mighty hunter. 
There's another word that is important um, that makes Nimrod very difficult to figure out if he's good or bad is that Nimrod was described as a mighty one. And I looked up this term mighty one, 1368, Gibor in the Strongs, mighty. Um, it's an Arabic word that might, might signify uh, somebody's behavior, uh, someone that behaves proudly, a tyrant who is bold and audacious. Um, in Genesis 10, 8 and 9, this could be a possible interpretation of someone who is a tyrant. Um, as an adjective in Genesis 10, 9, mighty in hunting, right? He's a mighty hunter. Uh, but there's also, when you scroll down and you look at Genesis chapter 6, 4, and Genesis chapter 10, 9, the noun, the masculine noun means strong or a valiant man. <laughs> it can mean a chief. It can mean a champion. It can mean someone who excels. It could even mean a giant <laughs> or a mighty man or a strong man. Gibor or Gibur, which is the root, means powerful. Um, it means a mighty warrior or a champion. And so we don't know which way this goes except for when it says a mighty hunter before the Lord. And he repeats that. He says that in the sight of the Lord, he was this mighty hunter. Now, Dr. Kim says that that's a negative thing that, <laughs> you know, every time you see the term hunter, it's negative. But that's not true. And I don't know why he wouldn't study that out. Let's listen a little bit further. Even when the Lord does hunting himself, it's used as a negative term, mostly throughout your Bible. So notice right here that a hunter is something negative. Now a hunter during that timeline, how would they hunt during that timeline? They didn't have a crossbow or a gun. How would they hunt during that timeline? Like this. Uh, and so according to him, um, hunting is negative. Not true. Did you see that sleight of hand? It's like a magic trick. You know, uh, if I say hunting is negative now, from here on out, you're going to put hunting as negative. Um, he mentioned that the number 13 is the number of rebellion. It's, there, here's a problem. You know, uh, numerology is a form of divination. If I read the Bible through just looking at numbers, then I'm actually, um, I'm actually doing a form of divination with the Bible. I'm using the Bible and I'm reading codes and I'm interpreting signs because that's what divination is. Interpreting signs to have information. The Bible is not to be used for divination. We're trying to understand what God is saying, not uh, interpret what man is saying. Okay, so Nimrod, mighty hunter before the Lord. Now, most of the problem is all the extra biblical sources that associate him with the Tower of Babel. So let's take a look back to our other video um, and see. YouTube ads beat Facebook ads every time. Okay, so let's see what we have here. Uh, one more part An of this video. An opinion cemented by his affiliation with the kingdom of Babylon, where the first mortal rebellion against God was thought to have started in the creation of the Tower of Babel. This structure was also thought to have been commissioned by Nimrod in some beliefs, not as a testament to God, but as a way for man to reach the heavens. Okay, so let's take a look at that.
Um, most people believe that Nimrod is the one that commissioned the building of the Tower of Babel. So we're going to read it. Genesis chapter 11. It says, Now the whole earth had one language, one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Now, this is Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. Nimrod is nowhere to be found. As a matter of fact, these are just a group of people all over the world that, that were in one place coming together and deciding to do this. They had no leader. They actually did this on their own. Now, I said earlier that it's kind of difficult to figure out the timeline here because what may be happening here in Genesis is just this is put there to tell us how things were scattered and broken apart because later on that's going to be significant but this has nothing to do with Nimrod this has nothing to do with his thirst for blood or him trying to rebel against God this is mankind rebelling against God and Nimrod actually has nothing to do with this <laughs> um, as we go further in the Hebrew and Christian traditions they consider Nimrod as the leader of those who built the Tower of Babel. The Bible does not say that. Uh, Flavius uh, Josephus believed that it was Nimrod, likely under Nimrod's direction, uh, that the building of the Tower of Babel uh, begun. Uh, the Talmud um, and several other sources in early uh, Judaism uh, believe that Nimrod is a Rumfell of the war. Uh, of the nine armies and we talked about that in Genesis chapter 14 who fights against Abraham uh, the term Babel uh, in the Bible is just a city now we have come up with some sinister names for it and all kinds of stuff but the term Babel is just a city now later on in Genesis chapter 11 and verse 9 is where the idea for confusion is found but in Genesis chapter 10, as it relates to Nimrod, it's just a city. The idea of confusion doesn't happen until afterwards where uh, the Tower of Babel is built by mankind. They built this fortress and then a God scatters them. So, again, Nimrod is being painted as this awful character, but... It doesn't seem like the things that people are pinning on him, he had anything to do with. Here's what we know about Nimrod. And I'm going to close here. Is that Nimrod was the son of Cush. The grandson of Ham. The great grandson of Noah. Nimrod was a mighty man before the Lord. A mighty one on the earth. Gibor. Remember that word, Gibor mighty one on the earth meaning that he was either a tyrant or he was a hero how do we defer, define which one it is well he was a mighty one and a mighty hunter before the Lord 
and before the Lord meant in the Lord's estimation. This is what he saw Nimrod as. <clears throat> is this good or bad? It doesn't seem like it's either one. But we know that this is what God thought about Nimrod. Nimrod was the king um, over Babylon or ba Babel at the time. Eric, Akkad, Canel. He built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Kalal, Rezin, and he conquered Syria. This is who Nimrod is in the biblical story. The extra biblical, non canonical accounts of Nimrod are pseudepigrapha, they're forgeries, um, they're not written by uh, or written in original Hebrew texts, and so uh, they're, they're fables. That's what they are fabrications, forgeries. They are knockoffs trying to undermine or change or contradict the truth. Who is Nimrod? Nimrod is an African king. Why you say African? Because he comes from Ham, which Ham is the father of the African nations. He said, well, he's, his dad was Cush. Cush in the Bible um, is Ethiopia. The Cushites become the Ethiopians, um, the darker skinned people. As a matter of fact, Cush had a son named Sheba, which became a land. And we know who the queen of Sheba was. The queen of Sheba, we don't know her name because the queen of Sheba is a title, not a name. Um, but these were dark skinned or African of, of dark skin color and complected people. And Nimrod was the first great king um, in that line. And so that's who Nimrod is. He's a mighty man, a mighty one on the earth, a mighty hunter before the Lord and a king of various lands. Now his lands later on become obstacles for Israel. And maybe that's why people look back on Nimrod and say that he was evil, but the Bible never says that. Thank you for listening. Please send me your questions, your comments, your concerns. Uh, message me at, at anchor.fm slash Anthony dash Wilson slash message. I will leave the links to the videos uh, that I was looking at um, in the comments so that you can check them out. All my sources, you can check them out. Um, Strong's Concordance, you know, that's where I get most of my stuff from. And the Bible, that's all, that's all we use. And so I want to thank you for listening. Uh, please reach out to me and let me know uh, if this information is helping you, if it's being a blessing to you. God bless you. Remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Thank you all for your support. This my supporters, my strong team. You guys are keeping us rolling. If you would like to become a supporter and join the team, go to anchor.fm slash Anthony dash Wilson slash support. Anchor.fm slash Anthony dash Wilson slash support. And or if you're on Spotify, you can just scroll down and it says support. Click on there. Ninety nine cent, four ninety nine, nine ninety nine. Uh, and we'll send you a free ebook as a thank you or free resource of some kind. Please join the team and let us keep bringing this great teaching to you. Send me a message. Email me at the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network. Um, at wordpress.com. You can email me there uh, if you find this on our website. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon.